Welcome to Leaders and Legends of Online Learning, a podcast dedicated to the experts. Thank you for listening. Each episode, we'll be learning from the world's leading thinkers and practitioners in online learning and linking to ideas relevant to online teaching, working with online learners, and digital education. You can listen to the experts and check their profiles and link to some of their work on our website, www.onlinelearninglegends.com. I'm Mark Nichols, the interviewer in this episode. You'll meet Dr. Geisha Vandenberg in this episode. Geisha is a professor in the Department of Curriculum and Instructional Studies at the University of South Africa. Across her career in distance education, she's worked with several of my previous podcast guests. Geisha is a Commonwealth of Learning Chair and currently teaches on a Master's in Education and Open Distance Learning Program. It's my privilege to be talking with Professor Geisha Vandenberg with the Department of Curriculum and Instructional Studies at the University of South Africa. Geisha has a broad variety of publications in the areas of online and open distance learning environments and was recently appointed a chair with the Commonwealth of Learning. Geisha, it's great to be talking with you. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. It's really a privilege to be with you. Keisha, can we start with a a brief overview of your career in publications? Yeah, my journey as an educator started way back in 1984 as a primary school teacher, and I know I'm I'm revealing my age now. (laughs) Um, But I've been passionate about teaching um, since then, so I'm a teacher at heart. Although my early career, of course, has nothing to do with online learning. I don't think the term even existed then. Um, In later years, I realized that um, it gave me the foundation I needed to teach and interact with students. This is also probably why um, in later years, when I worked in in distance education, I think from from 2000, I struggled to make peace with a correspondence model where there was so little interaction and support for Mm. students. Mm. But back to my career then, in 2000, my family and I moved to Pretoria where I was offered um, the opportunity to work as a lecturer at the then um, South African College for Teacher Education, which was a distance education institution. Yeah. However, that was a very brief experience because all teacher education colleges in um, the country were closed down by the government in 2001. They were actually incorporated to, to universities. So then I accepted the teaching position at UNISA, the University of South Africa. Mm. And for those who do not know, UNISA is an open distance learning. It's a mega institution with more than 400,000 students. Mm. So I've been part of UNISA in different positions since then. In uh, 2004, I completed my doctoral thesis in, in curriculum studies. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, I've been involved in module development and teaching in first in curriculum studies and more recently then in in open distance learning, the theory and practice thereof. So my current niche area focuses on the theory and practice of ODL and one area I've been involved in is academic capacity building in ODL quite passionate about that. Um, This stems from a need identified in 2012 by UNISA for online teaching training of academics, Mm -hmm. which led to a certificate in online teaching in collaboration with the University of Maryland University College. Um, I think it's now renamed as the University of Maryland Global College in the United States. 
Um, the modules of this certificate that was offered at UNISA were from their Masters of Distance Education. And this was developed by, amongst others, Otto Peters. Yeah. This collaboration between UNISA and UMUC became one of UNISA's strategic projects, and I was leading it. And so um, this is where my, my career actually in, in ODL teaching, learning and research officially started. The UMUC certificate modules um, were designed to feed into UNISA's Masters in Education in ODL, um, this program. And this was offering the academics the opportunity to complete a formal qualification, those who wish to do so. Yeah. In 2018, this collaboration was moved to Karl von Ossetsky University in Oldenburg, Germany, mm. where um, Olaf Zawatsky Richter and Lisa Marie Blaschke were involved, and I worked closely with him, them then to, to contextualize the program a little bit and make it um, applicable to UNISA um, colleagues. Since this collaboration started, numerous um, Academics have completed the certificates. Um, it's more than 80 of them. And some of them completed then the Masters in Education in ODL as well, resulting in valuable research outputs and, and also policy innovation and uh, improvement in online teaching and learning practices at the university. Um, I think we all know that most of the lecturers at a university are experts in their disciplines and not necessarily in, in um, online learning and pedagogy thereof, etc. I think you will agree with me that ODL is currently one of the most fastest growing forms of education. What was once considered a special, even for some a marginalised educational approach for its support, lack of theory and non-traditional delivery systems, I'm argued. Um, this has now become an important concept um, in mainstream education, mainly, I would say, because of the pandemic. Yeah. Notions such as virtual learning environments, student interaction and open education practices have enlarged the scope and changed the nature of, of earlier correspondence distance education models. And unlike the younger generation, I've seen some of these aspects develop. For example, I experienced the beginning of emails. Can you believe it? To communicate with <laughs> colleagues and yeah, students. Yeah. Um, the birth of the internet and the World Wide Web. Um, of course, it wasn't developed for education, but increasingly used for, used for education, of course. And the online marking practices. I remember I was part of a, a pilot project to test online marking many years ago when somebody at our IT department developed a tool to do this. He was actually far ahead of his time. And then, of course, the move from paper-based correspondence education with study packages that were sent to students and we had piles and piles of assignments that were sent by post to students, marked by lecturers and then sent back by post. Um, later on, we moved to, to the paper behind class models and fortunately now more personalised virtual environments and where students are hopefully better supported. 
Um, most of my research outputs then are related to the theory and practice of online teaching and learning. Yeah. And, and it links well with my teaching role, um, as I believe that teaching and research are closely connected. Um, you can call it the scholarship of teaching and learning if you want. Absolutely. To me, a significant aspect of, of online teaching and learning involves determining how students are afforded opportunities for interaction. This helps them, of course, to stay connected, to create their own knowledge and to, to be successful in their specific context. I've authored and co-authored a few papers on, on the interaction theme. Mm. As part of the student interaction with content and technology, I've also been involved in um, OER development and I've published papers on OER and open education practices as well. Yeah. I received an external grant last year to develop a contextualized open education resource in ODL. So I involved a UNISA colleague and six of our Emmet and ODL students to, to co-develop this. We followed the model of Cheryl Hodgkinson Williams and others from the University of Cape Town. Mm -hmm. And um, from this project, two research outputs have revolved. One co-authored with a colleague and the other one is in its final stages of completion with, with five of our students. And by now, I think you've picked up that I have a passion for teaching and that I'm a teacher. And therefore, a number <laughs> of my research publications were also co-authored with my students. Yeah. I've actually um, supervised 46 students um, to this date in, in ODL in for their master's and doctoral studies. Mm, yeah. And I'm co-publishing with them and I found that empowering students by publishing their research is really a very rewarding experience. Although, of course, as you can imagine, it's not always easy because they are, these are mostly novice researchers. So I, I heard you mention the names uh, Olaf Zalkirichter and also Otto Peters. Um, astounding. So you, you did some research work with Otto Peters? No, not really with Otto Peters. Unfortunately not. That was a bit before my time and I didn't, I haven't met him, but I've read his work and wow. um, yeah, I know about him. And I've, yeah, I've worked with Olaf. Um, he's been to South Africa and Tunisia a couple of times and I've actually visited um, the university and we have done some, some research on the collaboration. Mm, wonderful. So, Akhesha, um, a, a lot of themes and ideas that your work has provided. Um, I know you've done a lot of work on uh, empowering students, social justice, um, assessment for learning, the importance of a personalised approach to open distance learning support, <laughs> quite a broad range there. What are some of the themes that your work has provided that you sense are still pertinent today and that online educators should take a close look at? One of the most pertinent issues I focused on in my research is indeed interaction, as you've mentioned in ODL. Um, and as, as I've said earlier, it probably stems from the days of correspondence education and its lack of interaction. So I believe that students' interaction with their facilitators, their fellow students, of course, and the content and technology determines their success in online learning. Mm. I acknowledge that interaction is indeed a very broad theme and I've conveniently used it on several occasions because it covers... I feel it covers everything I'm doing in the online context. Mm. I've done some research on the different kinds of interactions um, and gleaned 
perspectives of, of both students and facilitators, taking specific context into account. Some of the research findings were that students found the interaction of connection with technology most challenging, mm. um, particularly with regard to access and the lack of digital skills. Um, therefore, ODL institutions, at least the, in the context of South Africa, cannot take for granted that all students have the knowledge and the skills needed for online teaching and learning. Mm. So they need to be appropriately prepared and also then supported in their journey. Yeah. So I noticed that you talk in terms of uh, open distance learning rather than online distance learning. Um is that a long-term habit for you? Uh, a lot of people do talk about online today. That's that's a very interesting observation. And um, I think online and open, maybe the, the, the boundaries are not that clear any longer. Um, but it's, it's a habit at UNISA. We're talking about open distance learning and not necessarily online learning, although we are moving towards fully online and we are not there yet. Um, so some of the colleagues are still um, using study guides, etc. but slowly we are moving towards fully online learning. So we are not really an online um, institution as yet, but I believe that we are an open distance e-learning. And mm. the openness, mm. of course, is also a different debate because I believe that we are open, but not really open enough in our practice. Mm. Um, some mm. And there's many debates regarding openness. So we're trying to be open and trying to be accessible to students. But that's also not always that easy. I'd like, just like to mention something about instructors. And this was also very interesting research um, I did about research uh, instructors' um, perception on interaction with their students and specifically regarding time they spend. And apart from the fact that tutors, of course, and lecturers had different roles to fulfill according to themselves, but the significant finding um, was that part-time lecture tutors um, reported spending between 16 and 37 hours a week teaching, mm. um, which was far more than lecturers believed. So they weren't aware of this. And this was research specific to a big first year semester module in the Bachelors of Education program. But um, this was a significant finding in my, in my opinion, and also based on the findings, specific recommendations related to policy and practice, specific in that context were made and, and later implemented. Changes to assessment practices, um, changes to workload of, of tutors, etc. So, yeah, that was also interesting research with regard to to interaction. Mm. And then um, I did some research on um, interaction with regard to um, uh, informal interaction between lecturers and students. And this was specific during the COVID-19 um, lockdown, the, when the pandemic presented various communication challenges, and even in distance education, mm. um, for that matter, of course, uh, education in, in general. Um, and this research emanated from a need to determine um, our students' perceptions about WhatsApp groups that we created during the pandemic. 
Mm-hmm. And the study was then underpinned by Maslow's order of needs and focused on the social, specific social need of, for belonging and connection. Um, of course, the, the connectivist theory and of George Simmons and Ma- Michael Downs are also relevant to the research on interaction. But this specific one on um, Maslow's needs was came out strong in this specific research that students need to belong. They want to be part of a group. They want to know that they are heard and there are people in that group that are actually um, interacting with them. Currently, I've got also a PhD student who's working in this space, which and I'm very curious to see what's going to come out of that. Mm. So another, um, yeah, as you said, you've touched on it, um, was a research related to social justice in ODL. Um, I think that we all agree that effective interaction maximizes the potential for of online learning and addresses access with, with success, of course. Mm. I was invited to conduct research on the potential of ODL in addressing um, social justice in South Africa. So the research was based on an uh, integrative literature review and it was published as a chapter in an international book on social justice, um, drawing from examples in South Africa and um, the United States. Mm. So the findings of the study um, indicated that ODL has indeed the potential, which didn't come, come as a surprise, to make a substantial contribution to a more just society, specific within South Africa. Mm. because it is, um, amongst others, flexible and affordable and provides education for those, um, for whatever reason, are unable to study at a residential university. Mm. However, you know, issues such as connectivity, access to technology and the lack of digital skills um, remain challenging. Mm. I'm fascinated by the interaction findings of the hours spent teaching. So um, clearly the teachers were putting in quite a bit of one-to-one time. Uh, Was it more connected uh, than perhaps a a normal face-to-face class might be? It is indeed. I think it was the the students became to a certain extent, very dependent, it showed on the tutors, on, you know, asking questions and getting assistance with regard to assessment, etc. But the biggest problem um, they had, the tutors, was they were also involved in assessment. And the assessment tasks were quite intensive and more essay-based. So um, after these findings and after the initial stages of of this um, specific model in this um, uh, module, they changed the assessment practices to be more continuous, to be more multiple choice questions, etc., that could be marked Uh, automatically. So that alleviated the workload. Well, Keisha, we're just at the end now. Well, certainly in New Zealand of the COVID-19 pandemic and life seems to be coming back to normal. What are your observations about online learning and education at the present time uh, now that we're on the other end of the pandemic? Yeah, in my opinion, there couldn't have been a more exciting time to teach in an online context (laughs) than to do research in this space. Um, Everything has has changed so much. I really love the space I'm in and I appreciate the current developments, um, probably because I've, I've been in this field for many years and I've seen it growing and developing. And as you said, because referring to the COVID-19 pandemic, 
probably the, the only advantage I can think of is that it accelerated these developments. Mm. You know, in, in my own context, if I look, for example, how development of the learning management system um, and communication platforms such as, as um, Teams and Zoom that we are using, um, have, they have all changed and advanced online learning in my own context. And I'm excited to see how technology will further advance. And I'm indeed, you know, watching this space. And mm. yeah, what is interesting is that um, it has indeed developed so quick. And although I've been an advocate for online teaching and learning, um, I'm not naive and I'm well aware of, of ongoing challenges. Mm. You know, if we think of quality of online um, learning, um, the digital divide we're sitting in, the whole issue of, of openness and I link it to access to, to online learning, yeah. the lack of interaction we're still struggling with, In if I can refer again to our context. And then, of course, the latest um, issues of cheating, plagiarism, and um, I've referred to student support, insufficient student support is also um, something that we're struggling with on a continuous basis. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, many of the challenges uh, would be familiar, I think, to international listeners as well. Uh, the digital divide was certainly an issue during COVID-19. Absolutely. Um, but I, I sense too, though, that uh, the world seems to have taken a more confident step forward in terms of moving towards more digital education. You, you've seen a lot of change, I think, across your career in South Africa. What would you have noticed about ODL 20 years ago versus ODL today? And what, what difference has technology made? Yeah, I think technology has made probably made all the difference. Um, and I know with technology is also a very wide concept, so everything can be regarded as, as, as technology. But the advancement specifically in, in technology has made it so much easier for students. And the whole thing of immediacy, that was one of the biggest problems, in my opinion. I was talking about the assessments and all the assignments that came in. It, take, mm -hmm. it took mm -hmm. months sometimes for students to get their assignments back. So I, I love the immediacy of it. And also the fact just before actually I entered in this podcast, I was quickly send, <laughs> sending a WhatsApp to my um, master's students to give them some um, information about this, an assignment that needs to be done. So these are things that that's easier to do, mm. um, assuming that all students have access to these technologies. And I'm, I'm fortunate because I'm working with postgrad or graduate students, yeah. but I'm not sure if all undergrad students have these access. So I think your yeah, lot has changed. Mm. And um, I also think there's lots of research that still needs to be done. But I'm assuming that students have, in general, um, have got mobile devices with them. So it's, it's accessible education. Well, just on that, what research would you most like to see? Uh, given everything that you've read so far, all of the studies that you've done, what research would really um, push your buttons at the moment? I think online teaching and learning has so many aspects that needs um, that need ongoing and, and more research. Mm. Most mm. probably because the field is so fluid, it, it develops just so quick. Yeah. The issues I've just mentioned, the challenges and um, issues regarding cheating, plagiarism, etc. Um, I think they need um, research. But if I have to single out two aspects, 
Um, I would like to say, firstly, um, more research on interaction, specifically mm. student interaction with technology. Yeah. And you have mentioned the, the role of technology. I do, do not think, um, and I'm again referring to my own context, I don't want to generalize, um, that we know enough about ways in which students use technology, mm. which technologies they use their access to technology. We're assuming that they've got access. And of course, um, issues related to the digital divide we've already spoken about. Mm. So recent developments in openness in education, um, learning analytics, and of course, artificial intelligence will change student interaction, I believe. So this needs, um, this kind of research will help practitioners, I think, to adapt. Yeah. and better prepare and support students if we have got that knowledge. And while I'm talking about research that we want to see, um, I think it's important to make this research accessible. I've got an issue, um, and that's a personal issue, not to publish in open access journals because we need to, to make research accessible to all to as many people as possible. I know social media is assisting us, but um, to do research and make it accessible, that, that accessible that people can can read it and can be aware of it. I think that's as important as the research itself. And then the second point is, um, and I don't think it comes as a surprise, <laughs> the role of generative artificial intelligence in online mm. learning. Yeah. Um, since its release in November last year, you know, ChatGPT has caused not only hype but significant advancements in AI. I know it's been with us for long, but I suspect that this is only the beginning of, of this development. We're all aware that the competition is on in this space. Um, but since it has and will increasingly have, um, in my opinion, a huge impact on online teaching and learning, mm. I think we need to do research now and ongoing. I've, I've already um, sent a paper to a journal, so I think we, we need to, you know, be aware of what's going on and look at the pros and cons of of these um, chatbots and AI platforms. Then um, referring back to interaction, these chatbots have the potential, in my opinion, to support students. Um, and we've spoken about student support in their learning. It can provide resources. It can do translations. We are living in a multilingual society in South Africa. It can offer feedback to assessments. It can assist um, in facilitating collaborative learning experiences as online teachers or um, assistants and so on. So these developments will then in turn hopefully lead to new um, practices and also hopefully evolving theories in, in online teaching. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think the other disturbing thing about ChatGPT is, of course, it does accentuate the digital divide, doesn't it? So Absolutely. some people simply won't have access to these powerful tools, which um, could actually provide them, as you say, with some wonderful ways of interacting with material. Mm -hmm. um, it is possible to use a chatbot as a, a conversational partner for learning uh, and yeah, some wonderful benefits there. Absolutely. And on the, as you said, on the one hand side, it opens access and on the other side, it can also make the digital divide even more worse. Mm. 
Well, Kesha, two people you'd recommend as legends of online learning, uh, one whose work or perspective is significantly influencing you now, and one who you think otherwise might have an important perspective to share. Um, Mark, your list of, of legends and leaders in online learning and their podcast is really so impressive. And I've listened to many of them. Um, they are great. And I thank you for this valuable collection to acknowledge them. Mm. I'm, I've worked with and I've referenced many of them in my work, so I could recognize <laughs> them yeah. in the list. And although I know um, of a few great leaders I could mention, I would like to share the names of two African scholars mm. and also to acknowledge the great work that they do um, with regard to online learning on the continent. Yeah. So I've chosen these two because of their influence in their context um, I've worked closely with both of them initially as, as um, senior students, later as colleagues and um, as leaders in online learning in their spaces. So the first leader I would like to recommend then is Cosmos Maporto. Mm -hmm. He is the um, full professor and the director in the Institute of Distance Education at the University of Eswatini. Mm -hmm. um, formerly it was called the University of Swaziland. Yeah. Um, he's published widely in the field. Um, he's done um, some work on uh, professional development and also on student support and on um, working on technology and online learning. Mm. And the second um, leader I'd like to single out is Samuel Amponsal. He's an um, associate professor and he's head of the distance education department in the School of Continuing and Distance Education. He's at the University of Ghana. Mm. And he's also got a long list of research outputs um, on distance and blended learning approaches on student support. And specifically how he's influenced my work is he's worked, done some work research on um, inclusiveness for online students with disabilities. Mm. This is something that um, I really haven't worked much um, knowledge of and he's influenced me in the sense that I focus more on this aspect in my own um, teaching environment. Wonderful. So, yeah, these are the two people I'd like to do recommend. Thank you. Mm, thank you. And some very important work there for us to also reach out to. Uh, Kesha, thank you for sharing your journey and for your research. Uh, thank you for your activity in online open distance learning. And thank you so much for your time and being a leader and legend of online learning. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. And I appreciate it. Thank you. You can learn more about Geisha and her work from our website. That concludes this episode. Be sure to go to our website www.onlinelearninglegends.com to follow up on this episode's guest. You'll also find links to others whose ideas continue to inspire and teach online learning professionals, and you can subscribe to future interviews. If you know of a leader or legend we've not yet talked to, please do drop us a line at onlinelearninglegends at gmail.com.